Well, hello. Welcome to Answers News on Monday, December 6th, 2021. My name is Brian Osborne. I'm with Tim Chafee and hey. Bodie Hodge. Yep. St. Nicholas Day. Oh, yeah. And we're joined yeah. by a live studio <laughs> audience. You guys want to clap? Make yourselves known? All right. Let's hear everyone. Oh, good yeah. job. So good to see you guys. So glad you are here. So glad you're watching online. It is December 6th, so we're getting closer to Christmas. Mm -hmm. Have you began Christmas shopping at all? Well, you know, you asked us that before, and yeah. you know, Tim's well, answer last last uh, episode was, I, I think it's not December twenty fourth yet. Right. That's right. Yeah. So, time, uh, yeah. You got to wait for the best deals. Plenty of time, right? right. I guess we got time. Actually, uh, you know, I have dove into things. You know, I, I, I'm one of those guys who like to get stuff well in advance. So. My that doesn't mean I don't still get stuff at the end. Uh, but my yeah. wife's done by about August or maybe even July. She plans so far ahead. And <laughs> Look, we got you summer clothes for Christmas. And then when my, my son will come up, hey, can I get something like this for Christmas? I, I always have to ask my wife, did we already get him something? Yeah, we got him. You know, and I was like, no, I don't remember. And then every year, same thing. And then she reminds me, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember getting that. Yeah. Like Our nine months ago. Awesome. We got yeah. that at the after Christmas sale last right, year. Exactly. <laughs> Um, All right. Well, we got a lot of stuff going on here at the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. It is Christmas Town and Christmas time here at the attractions. If you've never been here during the winter time to see these things, I really encourage you to come check this out. However, at the Creation Museum here at the Ark Encounter, we light up the uh, the grounds. There are lights everywhere. Good mm -hmm. music playing. It's very festival, very festive rather, and it's just so much fun. Mm -hmm. And a couple of videos kind of show you what's going on here. So here's one from the Creation Museum, showing what's going on during this time of year. You know what's nice about this? If, if you're from Wisconsin like I am or from Minnesota, like somebody in our audience, um, this is balmy weather. It's like shorts weather for you guys. <laughs> for other people in the country, it's still winter, but for people up north, as they say, um, it, it's pretty nice. So it's, yeah. a good, it's a good way to take a vacation down south. Are you that guy mm -hmm. who's always wearing shorts no matter what the temperature is outside? Um, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. always that one nope, guy, pants. right? Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the Christmas town, with the Christmas time, they yeah. are select dates. That's right. Uh, okay. through, yeah, it's not every know, day. Right. Uh, you know, from now, you know, through through the Christmas uh, season here. Usually the weekend. So make sure they, they plot out which days uh, they're actually doing that on if they're coming for that. Well, just come for the whole week and then you got it covered. Well, there you go. <laughs> there right? you go. And so that was the museum. Here is the Ark Encounter, a little video of the lights we have during this time of year. My daughter Macy was yeah. already asking, are we, are we going to see the lit up elephants this year? Right? <laughs> Over at the Ark Encounter, as you saw in the video. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we have a number of Christmas resources. Uh, you know, probably one of our more popular is The War on Christmas. So uh, we'll uh, drop a link in that, The War on Christmas. Look at the name on the bottom. Yeah. Well, I'm general editor, but we've had a lot of people that were involved <laughs> in this. It's a beautiful book. Uh, we also have a DVD, you know, those old-fashioned things. Nowadays, everybody's streaming. Mm. And if you get Answers.tv, you can watch this on Answers.tv, or you can purchase a DVD, Christmas with Ken and Buddy. These are great witnessing booklets, mm -hmm. actually. We have one that's uh, unlocking the real nativity. Uh, it takes a look at the Cataluma, you know, which sometimes mm -hmm. is translated to the upper room and so forth. 
Uh, you know, we translate it as the inn, and, and a lot of people don't quite understand that. People so, get the wrong idea right. about the, the birth of Christ because of that poor translation. It really that, is, that the, is it's yeah. the upper room or the guest room. And, right. Yeah. So we have a whole booklet on that, which is a great witnessing tool. We also have From Creation to Bethlehem, mm -hmm. uh, which kind of you know, gives you the connection between yep. why the babe in the manger goes all the way back to Genesis. And then we have one on Happy Holidays. It looks at the whole Christmas season, the Advent, which we're actually in right now, the countdown toward uh, Christmas, and you have Christmas Day, then you have the 12 days of Christmas. Are we still doing the special planetarium show at Christmas uh, Usually we do, okay. and that's at the Creation Museum. Yeah, the and Museum. we just upgraded it last year, and mm -hmm. it is so really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. And so. I'm telling you, what a great time to share the gospel this time of year. And we talk mm -hmm. about Christmas, the birth of Christ. Of course, yes, we're celebrating that. But why was he born? What why? did he come to do? To take care of the sin problem that we could not deal with, to pay that perfect, infinite debt we could never pay. It wasn't it's just to have a heartwarming story at Christmas time? I know, right? Oh, what okay. a great time to share that gospel news. Yeah. So yeah. you can use those resources, different things to get to that message, right. absolutely. All right, All right. we got All a bunch right. of articles to go through from a biblical perspective. First one's a bit of fluff and stuff. In New Zealand, bird of the year controversy after the contest is won by a bat. So your New bat Zealand. is New Zealand. It has to be New Zealand, right? Well, I mean, why not? If you can identify <laughs> as a different gender, why not identify as a well, bat? Well, they got tired of the Kiwi winning every year. So. <laughs> That's probably true, right? <laughs> kind of yeah. biased. But yeah, this is a long-tailed bat. I think it's Pekka Pekka Tuarua. That's how they say it. I could probably butcher that. Sorry if you're from New Zealand watching this. But anyway, it's a long-tailed bat who won Bird of the Year. You got uh, your fan club in New Zealand that you started when you were there. Uh, when I was there, yeah. yeah. Back there. Close to Australia, by the way. Yeah, but anyway. I know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. When, you, when, when I think of this, you know, I think of Leviticus chapter 11 because the bat's actually included... Uh, under this word bird, yep. uh, which is technically a winged creature, flying creature. It's flying things, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, we oftentimes, when we think of bird nowadays, we think of the modern definition, the way it's defined scientifically. Um, Does that know, include so dinosaurs? <laughs> <laughs> well, modern, uh, now they say, now Right, they do, the oomph would have included flying reptiles like pteranodons yeah. and pterodactyls and things yeah. like that, so I thought that was kind yeah, of Yeah, so in the, when, in the Hebrew, when the Bible's talking about it, it's just mm -hmm. flyers is really what it's saying. It's mm -hmm. things that fly. And uh, in our modern definition or close to modern maybe 15 20 years before they started putting the dinosaurs in there birds referred to a specific thing you know with the feathers mm -hmm. and whatever else they might include and so people look at this and say well the bat's not a bird or they would attack the bible right. on this point and skeptics would have fun at, at the bible's expense with this one right. but it's it's a different kind of classification it's not a right or a wrong classification it's just a different classification right and it's perfectly acceptable and this one was kind of funny because they were talking about how there's been controversy before because they thought there were a bunch of voters from Russia, is that what they were saying? That, <laughs> that influenced one of the elect, one of the votes. What'd you call this, <laughs> a we Russia collusion? Before? I yeah, know, right? Really? Uh, oh. So even in <laughs> New Zealand. Um, About the bird of the year? Yes. So that's yeah. okay. Well, you know, it's interesting. When I grew up, I used to watch a lot of Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, people like that playing basketball. And so I hear bat, bird, bat, bird. You know, I keep thinking of Larry Bird. It uh, <laughs> keeps popping into my head. And I I'm going to give you an interesting statistic. You guys can check this one out. Larry Bird actually played a game of baseball in college and has recorded statistics. He batted a 500 batting average for that game. So that, that's interesting for a basketball star to, yeah, to play some baseball. But I don't know, that just pops into my head. I don't know if that's a useless fact or what. Lots it is of a useless stuff fact. pops <laughs> into <laughs> that's, that's, okay. that's a little more important. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to something a little bit more substantial than the bat controversy. According to this article, few Americans blame God or say faith has been shaken amid pandemic or other tragedies. This was done by the Pew Research Center, really interviewing people around the states as far as 
who do they blame for the brokenness in the world, the pandemic, mm -hmm. and you know, all these different things going on, and catastrophes and so forth? Is it God's fault? And most people, or the majority, are actually not blaming God per se. Yeah, well, uh, if you look at the subtitle, look what it says. It says, most U.S. adults say bad things just happen, and that yeah. people are often the reason. Well, that's right, because of sin. Yeah. We go back to the very first sinners, Adam and Eve. That's why we have bad things in the world. Well, so often we say within the ministry. That's why we can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> When people oh. ask the question, why would God make a world full of so much death and suffering and brokenness and it, like we see, the, the answer is he didn't. Right. If we understand biblical history, mm -hmm. God made it perfect. Originally, no death, no suffering, no bloodshed, no disease. And he warned Adam, the day you eat of the fruit, you will surely die. Mm -hmm. Now, some people don't understand how practical that really is. They think, oh, that's just some you know, belief. That's system. something happened back in uh, the Old Testament. Uh, uh, 15 years ago when I was in the hospital fighting for my life with leukemia and mm -hmm. going through chemotherapy and everything, you know what I never did? I never blamed God for it. I never said, why me? I knew why. We're, I'm a sinner living in a sin-cursed world where right. bad things happen because mm -hmm. we have brought sin in this world. God created a perfect world and we wrecked it mm -hmm. through our sin. Therefore, he's not the one to blame. I can still ha have complete mm -hmm. confidence that there is a God who is loving and merciful and pure yep. and holy and mm -hmm. just and all of these things the Bible describes. I don't have to blame him for all the bad stuff mm -hmm. in the world because... Scripture tells us why that bad stuff's here. It also tells us what's going to happen to it. Mm -hmm. It tells us that God has, is, has sent his son to that's deal right. with it, and it will send his son again to ultimately put an end to it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to look forward you know, to. And, and yet yeah. for 2,000 years, a lot of people have struggled with this. And I think one of the main reasons is they don't read the Bible. Yeah. The third chapter in the Bible yeah. reveals that's why right. there's sin and death in the world. Right. And you, you don't know, have I, to read too far to get to it. You don't have to get too far. Yeah. <laughs> not your even first, the, not your first even day to get daily Bible yeah. reading to get through in a year. You can, yeah, you don't <laughs> have to get to Leviticus. But, you know, I, I've had people, you know, say, well, you know, why doesn't God just get rid of all the evil in the world? And I, you know, <laughs> my response to him is, well, how do you know you're not evil? Yeah. Uh, well, because, he will you know, one day, too, by the way. We're all sinners. Yeah. We've all fallen short. You That's know, right. Romans 3.23, for example. Uh, you know, so we all have, but you know, God is a patient God, you know, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, those who are going to be saved. Have you heard that saying that when people say, why do bad things happen to good people? We can respond like this. Well, that only happened once and he volunteered, yeah. right? Jesus was the only mm -hmm. really good person, perfectly good, and he volunteered for it to pay the sin debt we can never pay. All of us, we are broken sinners. We're bad by biblical definition and when he's saving and God has provided that salvation, even though we wrecked the world through our sin, he's made a way salvation for us through his son. How awesome is our God, really, in mm -hmm. all those things. I like how Brian actually touches my arm when he says we're all broken sin. He's like, <laughs> don't <laughs> touch me. Uh, <laughs> I guess I couldn't reach I, you. I always say, you know what? <laughs> well, Paul, you know, Paul talked about being the, the chief of sinners. I'm yeah. got to be like the president or the king or something <laughs> worse than that. Yeah. Um, but, but what's interesting about this article is it goes through a lot of statistics, yeah. um, you know, of you know, different people's views and their understanding. And, you know, Answers in Genesis has been involved in a lot of statistics as well over the years. Uh, we've got some books uh, already gone, ready to return. Already uh, compromised. Uh, already compromised deals mm -hmm. with a lot of the Christian colleges. One of the things that I liked about the way we did our statistics uh, with America's research group, they contacted people and they asked them directly, hey, why'd you walk away from church and so forth? Uh, you know, where with a lot of this, you know, they give you a multiple choice uh, answer, you know. Granted, yeah. they, they did a lot of research in mm -hmm. here, so I think a lot of this stuff is useful. But, and uh, some of it's a little more encouraging than you yeah. might think. I, I would have expected a higher percentage of people to be blaming God for mm -hmm. this, sure. because that's that's yeah. what you hear yeah. out there. You know, the, the, yep. They're the ones that get the, the publicity. Right. But So that was encouraging in, in many ways. Of course, there's other things where it's, you know, there's yeah. still work to do. And yeah. some of the beliefs well, of people are pretty weird. But. Well, you know, it's interesting. It says in here, uh, quote, uh, religious thinkers have long attempted to reconcile the idea of an all-powerful, all-knowing and benevolent God as presented in the Abrahamic religions, traditions, 
Judaism, Christianity, and Islam with the ex existence of tremendous evil in the world? Like I said, the Bible answers that question. Yeah. But one of the things that drives me nuts is people want to take Christianity and lump it together with Judaism and Islam. Right. Yet these are starkly different uh, uh, religions and uh, you know, with starkly different understandings of the origin of sin and the solution to sin. Well, it's really well, interesting too because this question's often you know, targeted towards Christians. How can you answer this? Well, we've got a good biblical answer. We yep. really do. And then the funny part is for the atheist and the atheistic worldview, how do they define, how do they define what evil mm -hmm. actually is, mm -hmm. right? And why would they care? And why would they care? You know, in, in a, say, an atheistic, materialistic, naturalistic type of worldview that's being promoted in schools and museums and secular media, mm -hmm. uh, what's wrong with, you know, people dying? What's wrong with cancer? What's, this is just natural selection mutations at work. Get out of the way. So what? Random chance uh, processes. Right. So they're inconsistent. Yeah. But it also shows in their heart of hearts they know that sin and death is wrong. That's right. Yeah. And you know what? I would love to see a lot of these atheists turn to the Lord, get in the Bible, read it. Well, because we want to see people repent, come to know Christ. We absolutely do. And one of the things I took away from the article was they said they did this poll because amidst the backdrop of all the events happening in our culture right now, people are asking really big questions. You know, what is the meaning to life? Why is there death and mm -hmm. suffering in the world? People are asking these questions because of all the stuff happening in our world today. What a great time to talk about deep things like the meaning to life, why mm -hmm. you're here, why the world is broken, what the solution mm -hmm. is. This is a great time to share the gospel. Oftentimes we're thinking, how can we have a conversation that gets to the gospel of somebody, a family member or a stranger or a friend? Well, we got a lot of opportunities, a lot of things to talk about yeah. to really get to those really deep questions to get to the gospel. It, it's one of the reasons this that might seem like a, <laughs> a bit of a tangent, but as a pastor and other pastor, when I former pastor, um, in some ways you uh, like doing funerals better than weddings. Because at funerals, this might sound strange, but people are thinking about their own, own mortality That's and right. they're more receptive to the gospel rather than running around like crazy trying to make sure everything's exactly mm -hmm. right and perfect and, every, and everybody's walking on eggshells. It's something where they're actually thinking about it and it's a chance where you really have mm -hmm. fertile soil to, for that seed to grow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Romans 8.22 points out that the whole creation groans in pain together until now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's exciting, looking forward to a time when there'll be no more death or yeah. suffering or crying or tears in heaven. Romans 20, or Revelation 21, 3 and 4 says that. Yeah. God, God will wipe away every tear from yeah. you. No more I, sorrow, that, no more death. That's exciting. You know, no more curse. About that. Yeah. It, it, isn't that cool that the last two chapters of Revelation undoes what happens in Genesis chapter 3? Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it shows the, the unity of the Bible. So, and it goes back to what you were saying when the mm -hmm. skeptic, the atheist says, well, how come God wouldn't, why, how could there be a loving God when all this is going on? Why doesn't he do something about it? He has and he will. Right. He's patient. I mean, I'm glad he's waited until he has now. I mean, the right. people who are, I mean, for me, I'm a believer. I get to spend eternity with the Lord. What if he would have done that right. before I was born? I would never have that, That's right. that opportunity. I would never be with him for eternity. But I'm see, when, when, when people see death, when they see the suffering, you know, whether it's personal, whether it's a family member or someone around them, I want them to understand it is a taste. We're given a taste of what life is like without God. Mm -hmm. You know, God originally made everything perfect. Now we're given that taste of life without him. Um, just, just that little taste. God is still upholding all things, but he's not upholding it in a perfect state. Boy, imagine what it would be like, uh, you know, to be cast into hell away from God's goodness uh, for all eternity and, and that, that blessing from God. Well, even that taste is God's grace to us. Just mm -hmm. here's a little taste of what pain and suffering yeah. is all about. Now run from it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And run to the one who has the solution to all yeah. these things, which is found in Christ alone. Yeah. You know, out of all the statistics, there was one at the very end, though, that really caught my attention. Uh, one third of all U.S. adults say they believe in reincarnation. I wonder if some of them didn't understand what the word meant. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there are a lot of people who do. But it's, yeah. Can yeah. you imagine someone saying, you know, I really like this banana. Maybe I'll come back as a banana. I mean, 
Do people do really, really think those things? But it also goes to show how few people, at least a third, are not familiar with the Bible's teachings. Yeah, because I'm, I'm pretty sure out of that one third, there are several of them that would also call themselves Christians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty strange to, right. <laughs> to call Put yourself a Christian and believe in reincarnation, because that mm-hmm. is directly opposed to what Scripture teaches. Well, that article is all about thinking big thoughts. This next article is about thinking big thoughts, too. The title goes like this. Why is it like that? (laughs) I thought so hard about that. Better than the article. I'm Uh, impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Not a high bar, but anyway. Why is the universe intelligible? Things aren't as clear as we may think. I'll read it in an evolutionary worldview, at least. And so basically, they're saying, okay, the universe is intelligible. It is. The question is why. In the evolutionary worldview, why is it intelligible? What does that say about the universe? What does it say about us? So they're trying to answer that particular question. And it's a huge conundrum for the evolutionary worldview. Why should yeah. it be intelligible within that p- particular paradigm? You know, one of the things that gets me as I'm reading through this article, you know, and I actually highlighted a number of words in it, intelligible, aware, question, argument, seeking, understanding. And yet I know that the people writing this, the people talking about this are materialistic and naturalistic. I don't, don't be scary with those terms. But basically what, what that means is they're materialistic. They believe everything that exists is material. There's no non-material. No supernatural no, world. No, no supernatural, yeah. no spiritual, no God. Uh, that's the worldview by which they're thinking. Well, mm-hmm. hold it. Uh, what's the mass of awareness? What's the mass of questioning or arguing or seeking or understanding? Those, those don't have mass. Right. So right. they're actually being inconsistent throughout the whole article when they're talking about those things, right. trying to understand it in a materialistic and naturalistic way. Yeah, so it's self-refuting. Obviously, from really. a biblical oh, point of view, from a biblical yeah. perspective, the universe is, uh, there's, we can understand it because that is the way God has made us mm-hmm. and made it. In fact, yeah. he... He told people to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. The dominion mandate, we are supposed to study our creation and use that creation for God's purpose, for his glory, and for our good. And so that's... That's why he did it, and, yeah. and we're supposed we can understand this world. That's what makes science possible. That's what makes right. uh, you know this whole law of cause and effect that, right. that we can understand the world around us. But it's kind of interesting in this article. Um, it says to square what we see with our models, we end up proposing that 95% of the stuff in the universe comes in two entirely mysterious forms: dark matter and dark energy. Aren't they a problem for claims of an intelligible universe? So the people who tell us that they understand, every, this is exactly how it was 13.7 billion years ago. It's just like this. They say 95% of the universe, they don't really understand. They propose that it's dark matter, dark energy, which there might be those Sh- things. Shows the inconsistency. Yeah, I mean, we're not, we're yeah. not saying there can't be dark matter, or dark right, energy, right. but the things that they don't even understand make up 95% of it, and that yeah. they can tell us that the Bible is absolutely wrong because they n- right. know this. And to show you just how arbitrary, really, the secular explanation for this is, I'll give you one example of one scientist who said, who said this, to try to explain the intelligibility of the universe. Mm-hmm. He said this. He says, we humans are natural pattern seekers. The argument goes, because seeking and understanding patterns in the world around us has survival value. Our species, in its evolution, found it advantageous to be curious. So, we are curious. I thought curiosity killed the cat. Uh, well, not to the scientists. <laughs> Applying that curiosity to the universe allows us to see patterns there. Its intelligibility is a product of biological evolution. Hmm. Which is utterly Completely arbitrary yeah. it really is yeah but see we're made in the image of a creative logical all-knowing god which gives us the ability to understand knowledge and think logically granted we're in a sin cursed and broken world so we don't always do it correctly right but you know i mean all this makes sense uh looking at in man in light of a biblical worldview That's but right. i can see why they're struggling in this uh there was something that, that caught my eye I actually highlighted this in the article it says take the fact that our universe is expanding and evolving from a big bang I'm just going to stop right there. Because 
Take the fact that our universe is expanding. Guess what? We, we agree. The universe is expanding. You can go out and look at it. We can observe that. That right. is observational, and you can repeat those observations. But then they also lumped in here as a fact is evolving from a Big Bang. Yep. Have we ever observed that? Nope. No. Have we ever repeated that? No. See, I want you to notice that they're taking something that's a religious viewpoint, and they're automatically inserting it as a fact. So they're assuming these things before they look at anything. Uh, yeah, and that's something you've really got to do a lot when you read these articles. Separate the fact from the fiction because there'll be some facts in there, depending on the article, a lot, sometimes, sometimes a little. What's the actual observable science? What are they actually mm -hmm. tangibly seeing and connecting to? And then what are the interpretations and what are the assumptions they're bringing to the present-day observations? Separate the fact mm -hmm. from the fiction. You've got to do that consistently throughout these articles. Yeah, we get that quite a bit on some of these articles. Uh, here comes some more of it. All uh, right. Speaking of separating fact from fiction and know what you're dealing with, how activist teachers recruit kids. Leaked documents and audio from the California Teachers Association Conference reveal efforts to subvert parents on gender identity and sexual orientation. So during this uh, teacher's meeting, more or less, they were having people brought in to train the teachers how to really get kids into these different clubs. Like middle, middle school, school students. LGBT, yeah. yeah. 2S plus, whatever <laughs> club, right, to bring them in. And then kind of get them into the fold and to really pour that secular worldview into And, and how kids. to deceive the parents so that if parents ask mm -hmm. questions about it, well, here's what you say. You know, and here's how to here's how to get around that. And that's here's what we want our teachers doing, right? Yeah, oh of boy. course. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but see, what they're doing is they're putting sexual humanism in the classroom. They're imposing yeah. that religion on younger and younger kids. Yeah. Uh, for example, as they promote transgenderism, as they promote uh, LGBT within these classrooms, I want you to understand what that is. They're promoting child sex in the classroom. Mm. That's what they're doing. Yeah. This is no different than what pedophiles or other. Uh, you know, sexual predators are doing. They're trying to impose this on the kids. We don't always think of it that way because they try to couch it in fancy language. Mm -hmm. But this is, th there's no difference in this. And they even talk about how they'll stalk kids on their Google mm -hmm. searches or other things. They'll, they'll mm -hmm. look at the computers the kids have used in school. What are they looking up? Hey, if they looked up trans or anything like this, That's right. we're going to recruit this kid. We're going to try to get them Child into this program. Right. They're going to do a, a basically a, a private invitation to yes. them to come to this club that's not an official well, club. Well, if they make a club, they're actually encouraged by the presenters at this meeting to not have an official club. Don't keep an official roster. No club rosters. Yeah. That way when the parents come to you and say, hey, did my kid come to your club? Oh, I, I don't know because we don't have a roster of that. We have no record of that. We're not so officially a right? club. Yeah. So just to subvert the whole process. Now imagine if you tried to have a Christian club and tried to operate like something like that. Oh my, that would be thrown out, attacked left, right, and center. And we want to be careful in yeah. one sense. It's not that all teachers, of course, believe this. Right. Many do not. Right, I right. taught for 13 years in the public schools, and so did my wife. There are many good teachers in those systems still, uh, no doubt about that. But, but it is a worldview being forced out. You saw this firsthand, though. You, you went to yeah, the I'll, NEA. I was telling these guys earlier. I went to, a few years ago, I went to the NEA, the actual National Educators Association meeting, a few different times, a few different years. Uh, and again, I was a teacher for a long time before I went to those meetings. And so I went to this meeting, and I was in utter shock. Uh, I will tell you that what you heard at, at that gathering of this teacher's union was literally a secular worldview on steroids. The slogans you saw, the signs you saw, what you heard from the speeches is very much a secular, what you might call leftist ideology rooted in humanism, uh, Marxist in its ideology. I mean, it was... Not, not hidden. It was blatant. Not hidden. No, this was blatant. <laughs> it was very blunt. And this was what was being promoted at that gathering. Now, again... 
not all teachers mm -hmm. uh, would support that or believe that. Even those teachers who are part of the union may have no idea what's taking place there. Like, I had no idea. Well, sometimes they're right. part of it so they get the health care or they oh, get absolutely. the other benefits. And right. they don't, yeah, they, they don't stand for those things. But, but just know the right. union itself, yeah. what it stands for, is utterly anti-biblical. And you see how that ideology mm -hmm. is pouring into the schools in so many different avenues. Right. Well, they even have a section in here talking about how the gay-straight alliance clubs, the GSA, or the gay-straight alliance clubs, uh, can get into these conservative communities. What they do is they change the name to the Equity Club or the UBU Club. They don't just come right out and say, yeah, this is, we're trying to influence your kids in homosexuality at a very young age. They try to couch it in all this fancy language, and then they, they even say, hey, uh, if parents ask about this sort of thing, plead ignorance, basically lie to them. Mm -hmm. It just, I think it's, it's a real warning to parents uh, as we send our kids, uh, if you send your kids to a public school, no matter where you live, pay attention. Or What's even to a private on? school, pay attention. All private school? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Or your yeah. homeschool books, pay attention. No. <laughs> Absolutely. You're so mm -hmm. correct. Ask questions, get involved, know what's happening. Such an important thing to do in our culture today. Probably do a plug for AIG resources on that, right? <laughs> I think <laughs> you should, right? Homeschool curriculum and everything. Bible curriculum, yeah, stuff like right. that. All sorts. <laughs> now, going from the hidden to the obvious, next article will be this. Craft Peanut Butter. That's right. Craft Peanut Butter releases limited edition children's book on pronouns for Transgender Awareness Week. And so Kraft Peanut Butter announced today the launch of his, hers, them, theirs, learning pronouns with the bears, written by trans activists. This is in Canada. That is in Canada. So yeah. that but explains part of it. They're partnering, partnering with this trans activist mm -hmm. to, to do this book and to promote this ideology among young people. Once again, dealing with child sex among kids. Well, breaks and my it, heart. And it's interesting, Kraft Peanut Butter said this, that they want to support this and promote this because they want to normalize these conversations about all the, these transitioning, this trans activism, right, this transgenderness, if you will. And so they say by normali normalizing these conversations, they hope to continue encouraging acceptance, inclusivity, and safety while bringing communities together. Mm -hmm. And ironically, that whole transgender ideology is really, it's all about separating causing division, and excluding those who will disagree. Right, yeah, they say here, diversion and, uh, diversity and inclusion are core tenets for uh, Kraft Heinz Canada. Now, hold on a second. Would they then do a child, children's book on the gospel? I'm would they do that sure to, to include us? No, they probably would. That would be divisive, Bodhi. No, of course not. And then they say, we demand diversity. It's interesting they use the pronoun we and include us into so that. Maybe we don't accept that. The question I've got, I, I keep hearing <laughs> these, these sorts of things, but by normalizing these conversations, it's already normal. It's already mainstream. It is all over the place all the time. Yeah. Why do we need to have more of it? Why mm -hmm. do we need to keep pushing it more and more and more? Well, and, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, just the whole act of trying to normalize it is trying to make it acceptable, which you're pushing a particular morality mm -hmm. when right. you do so. And so, again, there is no neutral. There's a worldview being pushed here. We've got to be aware of that and equipping ourselves and our kids to understand that, see that, and be prepared to uh, rebut that biblically in a loving way to give the gospel an effective way. Yeah, we really need to be praying for the kids of this next generation. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, so many of these articles, kids are being attacked. Yeah. And yeah. they're being attacked subtly. The parents are being deceived behind the scenes, you know. And, uh, and then we see some of this is just blatantly open. We need to be praying for families. We need to be praying for the church to start dealing with this uh, more in their local areas, too. Um, 
it's it's a big deal. We need even need to be praying for these companies to you oh, know absolutely. return back to the authority of God's word. Yeah. Um, they're trying to win the approval of the culture. They should be trying to win the approval of God by submitting to Him, yeah. Yeah. not man's ideas. But moving on to the next article. Let's talk article. about dinosaurs. Let's talk about dinosaurs, <laughs> right, please. Cool. For dinosaurs. The all that's good and holy. Let's go on to dinosaurs. <laughs> all right. <laughs> remains of a very rare dinosaur species discovered in Brazil. So they found the remains of a toothless, two-legged dinosaur, a very rare find, a very small dinosaur. Most dinosaurs are fairly small, by the way, but this one's only three feet long and two and a half feet tall. It's a theropod. It's on two Do you legs. realize how excited Dr. Gabriela Haynes would be oh, on this program? Uh, she should I, she's be here from right Brazil. Now. She's a absolutely. paleontologist, and here she's she, missing uh, this you know, That's so true. I didn't think about Brazil, but absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But the puzzling part about this new species called Berthosaur, I think, yep. it has a beak-like mouth with no teeth. And so that's what's kind of puzzling them about this new find. But there are other dinosaurs that have beaks. I mean, you think mm. about the Ceratopsians, Triceratops, they have, mm. they have like a yeah. beak at the end of their, their face. So that's not too surprising. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, they're like, oh, it's a find from 70 million years ago. That's imaginary time. That's not real time. This oh, is yeah, from flood sediment. Fiction. Yep. I, you know, I, I see something like this and I automatically think, wow, how cool was it that this thing is being rapidly buried, turned mm. into a fossil, and Noah is floating on the waters above. And it's evidence uh, of Noah's flood, mm -hmm. most likely in a very tangible way. How yeah. cool is that? So that was way too short about dinosaurs. That, that is a short dinosaur. It was a short dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. and a short it was, it, it was a short dinosaur. It was a little one. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a big one. All yeah. right, we'll go on to this article. Maybe we can squeeze in the last two. Uh, Christian florist agrees to pay $5,000 to end lawsuit over refusal to serve gay wedding. So... Uh, you have a Christian florist who was basically was taken to court by a gay couple who came in and wanted her to provide flowers for their wedding. And she done, were, they were already customers of hers yeah, for years. Yeah, they They've done business yeah. for a while. And uh, she said, no, that goes against my Christian beliefs. And so they sued her because she would not take part in the celebration of... That, and and that's, this has been going on for eight years with her. It has destroyed her life, her livelihood. It's gone all the way up to this. Well, the Supreme Court refused to hear it, which, which I think was a mistake. Which they is should. why they're in this situation. Yeah, they yeah. should have done it. Um, so a lot of some people might look at this as she's just compromising. It's like the woman has had her life ruined for eight years and was mm -hmm. facing hundreds of thousands, if not more, dollars of yeah. fees and everything. Mm -hmm. and they can get it all over with. All because she didn't want to be involved in a pagan ceremony. Well, think That's about how bigoted and intolerant and truly mm -hmm. hateful it's been towards her. Right. Because she did not agree with them. And by the way, they, I'm sure they had plenty of other options to go to other yes. florists to get flowers, right? But mm -hmm. they were going to force her to conform to her, to their worldview. Right. right to actually to go their religion, her conscience yeah. to make them happy. How hateful, how intolerant, how bigoted. Mm -hmm. Truly it is. Uh, but again, it, just, it goes to reinforce there is no neutral. Somebody's going to be pushing mm -hmm. a worldview. Hey, mm -hmm. we can make it to the last one. All right. Yeah, Speaking of it. flowers, right? Also about flowers, the impact of flowering plants on the evolution of life on the earth. So basically in this article, they're <laughs> looking at the time of corn evolutionary ideology that flowering plants really took over the ecosystem. And because of that, things begin to flourish in a different way. And of course, flowering plants are important for a lot of reasons. They provide a lot of food for different things. A lot of, and of course, which then provide food for other things. For other things, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And so they're really trying, it's a big part of the evolutionary narrative, and they are just trying, in the article, they're talking about how important it is, basically, in the evolutionary Yeah, world. and of course, they throw in the imaginary time 100 to 50 million years ago, or 70 million years ago. When we read that in here, it's imaginary time. Uh, the, what they're doing is they're looking at some of these different flowering plants in the fossil record, which That's was right. laid down largely during the flood of Noah's day. But when we think biblically, plants were made on day three. That's two days before any flying or sea creatures or any land before creatures were walking around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's not a big deal. Uh, it's that's not a problem for God. Um, so here they are. They're around now. 
When we look at the fossil record, we see a lot of marine organisms, you know, and then, then you start to get to the plants and the flowering plants up here. I wonder here. why that is. And it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's pretty obvious, you know, the things at the lowest yeah. level of the ocean are the first things buried. They're not fleeing to higher ground. It's the first things covered up and buried. So, of course, you're going to see marine organisms there. Now, granted, marine organisms are going to be all throughout it because yep. it's a marine catastrophe right. that overtakes the land. Yep. But uh, it makes sense why the stuff at a higher level is going to be buried a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? And what they view as a progression of long periods of time. We say, no, that's just order a burial during the flood. Right. Yep. And I want to read this one quote. It says, the angiosperms, flowering plants, owe their success to a whole series of special features. Biology students all know that the angiosperm flower has an amazing innovation with special colors and adaptations to make sure particular insects pollinate them successfully. And so this just happened by random chance. How about God made them this way? God yeah. made the plants and insects to have the symbiotic relationship all from the beginning. Makes really good sense of the biblical worldview. Random chance does not explain this well at all. No, yep. and you'll see this in a lot of nature programs. They'll have certain birds, like a hummingbird or something like that, that have a curved beak that works perfectly with this one flower. And every single time it is, evolution has designed that's this amazing. thing. Or evolution, is, uh, yeah. evolution gets credit for everything and that's that a God has done. Yeah. And right. it really it's trying to steal glory from our creator who made us mm -hmm. and made this amazing world that, uh, you know what, mm -hmm. sadly is full of terrible things because mm -hmm. of sin. But um, our creator has given us a solution in scripture, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to be about. And, and that's, that's what we celebrate, you know, the babe in the manger coming right here now. this Christmas season. So, uh, you know, Christ steps into history, dies on the cross, uh, and he raised again. And that's uh, the, the basis and the foundation for uh, the Christian faith. And uh, that foundation is, goes back to the authority of God's work going all the way back to Genesis. So it really is exciting uh, to see and celebrate Christ this Christmas season. We hope you do. Well, let's be sharing that message now and every other day. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us. You guys have a great day. All right. God bless you.